Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Here's what we decided to do with, with this, this first collection coming out of Easter. We decided that there were so many people that checked B that they wanted to begin a relationship with Jesus that we wanted to help people find out what's next for them. And not only people that maybe just, just said, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, but every single one of us, whether or not if you would say this or not, every one of us, we're on a spiritual journey. We're somewhere in our spiritual journey. Even those that check D, they're actually on a spiritual journey because we're all we're body, soul, and spirit. They may be at a place that may be kind of far from God, but they are on a journey as well. We're all on a spiritual journey. And the question is always this, like, where am I currently at? And then what's my next step? Have you ever been in that place in life where you felt lost and you didn't know what your next step was? You didn't know where to go, how to get somewhere. I mean, the other day when I was shopping for Easter, I had to find me a little Easter outfit because, you know, that's what you do at Easter. And I was at the mall and I, I got lost. I couldn't find my way around I me. Mean, Westfield is confusing. And I'm walking around Westfield. And so what, what did I do? I went to that little, you know, the little thing that tells you that you're stupid. I mean, tells you that you're lost. And I'm the stupid guy that's just like standing there. And, you know, people look at me like, look at this tourist. And I'm like, no, I live here, I promise. And you find what? You find where's the X? Where am I at? It says you are here. You find where you're at and then you see where you're going and then it just shows you like the steps to get there and it shows you where you're at and the next steps that you should take. And so for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about uh, what's next. And here's simply what, what this is, is for us, we've always, we've always made it our ambition to be a clear and simple church clear and simple. We just want to make it clear. We, we think that this is too often that life is challenging enough. Like your spirituality, spirituality should not be complicated and you don't know what to do and what's next. And so for us, we just see ourselves as spiritual tour guides and we just want to come alongside you with wherever you're at and help you take that next step. And so our ambition has always been, let's just make it clear. It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't need a mission statement that's 10 paragraphs long. We don't need a vision statement that, you know, it, it takes like a rocket scientist to figure it out. We wanted to come up with what is the clearest vision statement? What is the clearest picture of what we want for people? And in a, a network of churches that we work together to try to find best practices to serve people the best, this is what we came up with. It's simply this. is Our vision is that we want to see every single person, every person in this room, every person in our city, every person in your neighborhood, at your workplace, any person that God would send here, our passion is that we would one day see every person, number one, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's really easy, right? Is that we believe that every single person that God's put in the, in, inside of every person this longing to, to know him. And, and we may not identify it as that, but every single person, there is this, this vacuum in their soul that seeks to know who God is and to know why they exist and what life is all about. Like we all desire that. And so our passion is that we would see that, that we would see that in every person that comes to our church. Those that, that maybe filled out C or filled out D, our desire is that they would come to a relationship or that you would come to the relationship where you would know who God is. Not through your parents, not through a pastor, not through a priest, but personally. You would personally and intimately know God. That you would know his love for you. You would know his desire for you. You'd know that he cares about you. That you would know him in a very personal and intimate way. Not rules, not religion, but a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Let me, let me give you this one scripture that goes along with that. This one scripture here under knowing God is this 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 21. It says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. 
This is what Timothy is saying, or Paul is saying. Some of these people, Timothy, they've missed the most important thing in life. They don't know me. They don't know God. They don't know God. Listen, I'm telling you this. The most important thing in your life, the most important thing is that you know God. And, and because of that, this is the most important thing to us. We desire for every person to know God. That is our deepest desire. Um, the second thing is finding freedom. And, and finding freedom, I love this scripture here. Uh, John chapter 8 says, so if the Son sets you free, that is Jesus, capital S. So if the Son sets you free, you will be, look at this, free indeed. Like you will be fully free, completely free. Not just like an idea of being free, but that you would truly know the freedom and find the freedom that Jesus paid for at the cross for you. That your freedom would not just be real, but it would be realized. That it would be realized in your life. Like you don't have to deal with that cycle and that addiction anymore. You don't have to deal with that brokenness anymore. You can actually take off the mask, be healed by God, be set free, not just from something, but for something that you could find freedom and it would be free indeed. And, and for us, we believe that every single person, every single person, because of just the, the reality of broken humanity, every one of us, we have something that we have either done or has been done to us in our past. And because of that, we all need to find freedom. Like turn to the person next to you and tell them, say, say, I'm not perfect. Some of you are like, well, I mean, kind of perfect. Just a little bit. Listen, guys, we are not a church filled with a bunch of perfect people. We are a bunch of broken, flawed people that have issues. And some of us, our issues have issues. <laughs> and we all need to find freedom. And freedom obviously is found in Jesus Christ. That's where we, we, we find out that we are really free. But freedom oftentimes is realized, listen to me, not just in saying yes to Jesus, but the freedom that is real can become realized when you get into a group called a small group. Or in a, and it doesn't have to be a formalized small group, but a group of Christians that can come around you. And that over time, you can build relational equity with them and they can build it with you. And you can begin to trust them. And then the things that have always been a secret in your life, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. And the things that have been a secret in your life, the things that have been the dark places of your life, you can actually take off the mask. You can be fully known. And the Bible says this, is that whenever that stuff comes into the light, that's where freedom and healing begins. You confess your sins one to another, and then you can find healing and freedom. And that's why one of the things we're passionate about is small groups. We want people to know God, but we want people to find freedom. And we believe the primary place where the freedom journey, it actually begins to unfold in front of you, is when you get into community with other people. So you know God, you find freedom. And then here's another one that we're really passionate about, discovering your purpose. Let me give you a scripture for that one. Discover your purpose. Galatians says this in chapter six, make a careful exploration of who you are. Make a careful exploration of who you are um, and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Listen, we believe that inside of every single one of you and every person that comes through the doors of our church that, that's on a spiritual journey, we believe that God has wired them with potential and purpose and there are gifts and grace that is on the inside of every single one of you that needs to be discovered and unlocked. It needs to be uncovered and unlocked and then released so that you can make a difference in the church and in the world. That God wants you to discover your purpose. The worst thing is that if you live your whole life and you have a good job and you make good money and you have good friends, but you never discover your God-given purpose and you never walk into your calling, listen, that is the saddest thing because you'll live your life with untapped potential 
and unreached people. Because listen to me, on the other side of you discovering your purpose is, is a group of people. I would submit to you, not just one or two or three, but maybe even hundreds, maybe thousands of people that God wants to use your life to make a difference. It doesn't matter if you're a businessman, a businesswoman, a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad. It doesn't matter if you work for the post office or if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. Every single one of us, there's a God-given purpose on the inside of us. And our passion as a church is to help you figure out what that is. That's why you hear us talking about the growth track every single week. Some of you are like, my God, I wish they'd stop talking about the growth track. We'll never stop talking about the growth track until we figure out a better system to help deliver that part of our vision because we've discovered, those of us in here that we've gone through the growth track, we've discovered our potential and purpose and now we're using our purpose to make a difference and our gifts and our talents to make a difference. We're passionate about the growth track because it's just one of those small ways that helps us deliver that part of the vision. And we believe that every single one of you I mean, we would probably chase you down until you finally go through the growth track if you haven't yet. I mean, we are, we, are, we are passionate about it because here's why. Not because we need you, but because the body of Christ and the world needs you to find out why on earth you're here so that you can make an eternal difference for the glory of God. Amen? So that's, that's the third one is discovering purpose. And then this fourth one is, um, is simply this, make a difference. John 15 says this, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are, look at this, that you are my mature disciples. Notice that he connects maturity with, with you serving in ministry and doing works. And like it's, you don't do works to get saved, but because you're saved, God then gives you works to do to advance his kingdom and to make a difference. And, and, and right here, Jesus makes a connection between maturity and you actually producing works in your life, works of ministry, fruit, abundant fruit, a lot of things for the kingdom of God. He makes that connection. He goes on, he says, but this is his purpose. His purpose is for telling you, the, his purpose for telling you these things is so that, look at this, so that, so that the joy that I experienced, Jesus said, that it will fill your life with overflowing gladness. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. When you get this, when you, as my disciple, as a follower of Jesus, when you understand that you've been put on this earth to make a difference and you discover what your gifts, talents, and abilities are, the grace that's on your life, and then you begin to step out and you engage in doing ministry and serving people and making a difference. It doesn't matter what your gift and grace is. You may be, have the gift of administration, the gift of leadership, the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, whatever it may be. As you begin to, according to your faith, step out and you begin to engage in doing those things, the Bible says as you begin to bear fruit, here's the result. Not only are you gonna make a difference, like that's gonna be awesome. You're going to make a difference. But Jesus says, my joy will be filled inside of you to overflowing. And you will find a joy and a fulfillment and a satisfaction you have never known before. Life becomes so fun, so fulfilling when we stop living for ourselves. When we start to live our lives for other people, not just so that we can be successful, but so that we can make other people successful. Not so that we can just find fulfillment, but that we can help other people find fulfillment. It's in helping other people find fulfillment, that's when we're truly filled. Jesus says, when you do this, I'm telling you my purpose for telling you this. Jesus says, my purpose for wanting you to engage in serving and living your life for other people is that you're gonna find a joy you have never experienced before. And it's my joy and it's gonna be amazing. So that's the spiritual journey that our desire is to take people on here. And we desire to make it clear and to make it plain. Here's why. Because the Bible says without prophetic vision from God, without a divine vision from God, people, they'll just cast off restraint. They'll do anything. So for us, we got a clear vision. We believe God's vision for what he wants for every single one of us. If you read through scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelations, 
It says it in many different ways and many different forms, but truth be known, if you were to distill it down to four things, these are the four things that scripture calls every single one of us as, as, as human beings to do, to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference with your life. And we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks, but I want to drill down into that first one, know God, for this first little installment of this collection. Last week, we talked about how do you come to know God? It's through putting your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, how he was buried for three days and he rose again. And when you put your trust and your faith in what Jesus did and who Jesus was, when you put your faith and trust in that as your savior, as your redeemer, as your forgiver, as, as the one that, that rescues and redeems your soul, when you put your trust and faith in him, it's at that moment that we can begin to know God. That's the starting point right there. And 24 people made that decision last, last week, said, we want to come to know Jesus. We want to know God. And there's many of you in here today that you've made that decision at some point in your life. Maybe it was this past year. As a matter of fact, since our church started a year and a half ago, we've seen over 100 people come to faith in Jesus for the very first time. Come on, you can do better than that. That's amazing. People that were maybe a C or a D, at some point they said, B, I want to become a follower of Jesus at our church. And now the question becomes this. Okay, if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus and you say, I'm a follower of, of Jesus, now I want to know God, what is your next step from that place? And I felt like what I wanted to talk to you about, while there may be many things we could say, your next step is keep coming to church, or your next step may be this, that, whatever. I wanted to talk to you from a biblical perspective what your next step, every person that you see in the New Testament, once they put their faith and trust in Jesus, their next step was baptism. That was their next step. And I wanted to take the next 18 minutes to unpack this one question for you. Why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Now, I don't know if you've ever been baptized before. Maybe some of you in here, you're like, man, uh, I've, I've never been baptized before. The whole thing kind of weirds me out a little bit. Someone dunking me underwater. Are they going to hold me underwater? How long are they going to keep me underwater? You know, maybe some of you in here, like someone, someone used to say that I was so like not a Christian that they had to hold me under for like 30 seconds. Like we're not going to do that to any of you, okay? But maybe you're here today and you're like, I've never been baptized. Um, maybe you don't even plan to ever be baptized. Maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. That's totally cool. That's totally okay okay, this is a safe space for you to come and to seek and to search for who God is. Uh, but maybe some of you in here, you're like, man, when I was, I was a kid, I grew up in a very orthodox uh, church environment. I was baptized when I was, I was a child, infant baptism. Maybe you were christened and things like that. Uh, maybe for some of you, um, you, you were a follower of Jesus when you were younger and you were doing your best to live for him. But somewhere along the way, um, you know, it was after you said yes to Jesus, after you were baptized, somewhere along the way, you kind of drifted away and you kind of went rogue for a season of your life and you were developing your testimony. Uh, and uh, <laughs> like 10 of you got that. It's cool. Whatever. Tough crowd. Anyway. Um, and you drifted away, and then now, you know, after 10 years, you've come back, and you're like, okay, I want to I begin again. I want to I recommit my life to the Lord. And maybe you wonder, like, should I get baptized again? Like, what's up with that, you know? And, and, or, or maybe last week you did. You gave your life to Jesus, but you've never heard anything. You've never, like, you've never even heard of this baptism. What is that? And so wherever you may fall on the spectrum, I want to explain to you why I believe that as, as followers of Jesus, when we begin a relationship with him, or maybe even begin again a relationship with him, why it's so important to do this, this, this step called baptism. Uh, baptism doesn't save you. 
But there is something very powerful about baptism that we're going to unpack. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Here's the first reason why I believe that you should be baptized. Um, actually, before I give you that, can I tell you my, I wasn't going to tell you this. Can I tell you my baptism story? Okay, I will. Um, whenever I was about nine, 10 years old, I was a part of this church uh, and, and all my friends were getting baptized. And I thought, this is kind of cool. I'm going to get baptized. So totally the wrong motivation, right? They were, everybody's getting baptized. And so I, I signed up for baptism and um, I was so scared. I was so nervous. They were putting these little white robes on everybody. It was the weirdest thing. And, um, and I went and, and I, I got baptized, not knowing what I was doing. I know my parents were really proud. I know my friends thought I was cool. I mean, it was like one of those things. I got baptized. It really meant nothing to me about it, okay? Fast forward years later, I was 18 years old, gave my life to Jesus. Like I checked B, right, in my heart. Like I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, like a real relationship with him. So I, I committed my life to the Lord, got connected to a local church, and I just began to read the Bible. And this was my thought. Anything, and, and I only read Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life. And here was my thought. Anything that Jesus did, I just want to do that. Like, isn't that a, a beautiful way to try to live your Christianity? We get so caught up in dogmas and nuances and all these just stupid things that are trivial, trying to, trying to act like we're smarter than what, listen, just read Jesus and do that. Like, we will be busy to the day we die or the day Jesus comes back if we will just read Jesus and do that, right? So I'm reading through it as an 18-year-old, and I see that Jesus was baptized, and I thought, man, maybe I should get baptized. So I began to talk to some of my friends. Now, back then, there were no, uh, like, internships for people wanting to do ministry. There wasn't really ministry school. We had what was called discipleship houses. It was so weird. We had, like, six or seven guys. They all smelt bad. And none of us had any money. We would cram into a tiny house. Kind of sounds like San Francisco. And uh, <clears throat> we would cram into these little tiny houses. And we just lived together and uh, would do Bible studies together and just try to figure out the way of Jesus. Like, how do we just live like Jesus? And I remember talking to this group of guys, Charles Young, Mac Duvall. I don't remember the other guys. And I remember just having these conversations with them. And I said, I, th I, think, I think I'm supposed to be baptized. I was baptized when I was younger, but I think I need to do that now. I think that's my next step. And so Mac Duvall, he asked me, he said, Jason, why do you want to be baptized? And I said, because I think that when I was younger, it didn't really, it didn't really mean anything. And now it means everything to me. And I just, I want to connect at a relational level. And I want to make something, take something that's just kind of an abstract idea. I want it to be real to me. And I want, I want all of you to celebrate with me that I'm a part of this family. And so we didn't have any baptismal kind of, you know, tank or anything like that. But I remember the guy said, hey, let's go find a, an apartment that has a swimming pool. So we went at like two in the morning, middle of the win winter. We went to, I think it was Old Jefferson Apartments. And the gates were all locked. And we, it was about 45 degrees. We jumped over the fence and got into this pool. It was freezing. It was so cold. I got into this pool. I'm like, I'm like shaking. They're all shaking. They're in there. It's like six, seven of us guys. And I remember Mac looking at me, he said, Jason, he said, do you love Jesus? I said, I love him. He said, are, are you forgiven? I said, I'm forgiven of all my sins. He said, Jason, you're going to live for Jesus the rest of your life. I said, I have decided I'm going to live for Jesus, no turning back. And he said, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I remember he grabbed my head and he just dunked me under that water. And when I came up out of that water, I just like, I was cold, one, but I came up out of that frozen, frigid, watery grave. And I was like, I just lifted my hands up and I will never forget these guys, my closest friends and peers, guys that I used to like run the streets with, 
They're in that water with me and they start cheering as loud as they could. And what I felt being accepted in this community, it was a greater level of acceptance I've ever felt before. And I felt like these guys are for me. Like I've had friends before that they weren't really for me. These guys are for me. And they begin to cheer and it was an unbelievable moment. And then all of a sudden, cops show up. They were like too loud. They were too, you know, they were too exuberant in their celebration. And cops show up and, and I was, we were like, we promised we were being, we were, they were baptizing me. They're like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> being baptized at two in the morning. So, so here's the question. Okay. So that's my baptism story, but why, why did I do it? I'm going to give you the three things that I thought of. The first one is this, write this down. This is the first theological reason. This is my proposition to you to consider. It's simply to follow Jesus's example that he set for us. This, this is the first reason why we do it. Matthew chapter 3, it actually it records Jesus' baptism moment. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Tried to talk him out. Why was he trying to? Because John knew who Jesus was. He was the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And baptism at this moment was for, for, for you to repent from your sins. Well, Jesus doesn't need to repent from his sins. He's never sinned. So John says, says to him, like, no, 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 you don't need to do this. He says, I am the one who needs you to baptize me. But I love, I love this. He says, and he says, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus says to him, look at this. Jesus says, it should be done for we, says we, not just I, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Listen, Jesus didn't need to be baptized for his sins. He didn't need to be baptized to repent from the bad things that he's done. None of those things. He was the perfect lamb of God. But there's a few reasons why Jesus was baptized. It was an affirmation of John's message that there was a Messiah that was coming that would take away the sins of the world. And it was, he was affirming that John's message is true. That's the first reason why he did it. Second reason why I believe he did it is this. He just wanted, Jesus all throughout his ministry, he was, he was, when he would eat with people, he would get down and he would, he would touch a leper or he, would, he, would, he was in tune with people and engaged with people's pain. I think baptism was a way for Jesus being able to identify with sinners that need it. I think it was his, another one of his ways of being able to say, I feel your pain. I can identify with you. But even if you can't take that into consideration and think that that's true, here's other things that we do know. We do know this about Jesus. He's, he's the greatest leader to ever live this earth. And here's what we do know about leadership. Every leadership guru will tell you this. Great leaders will never require you to do something that they will not do themselves first. This, this is where I, I like rest on this the most. Like Jesus was baptized because he knew that he was going to require for all of us to be baptized. Why? Why baptism? Baptism is simply this public declaration, which we'll see in just a few moments. And it was a very real way to be able to say to everyone, I belong to this new kingdom and Jesus is my king. And so Jesus modeled what he wanted multiplied. This was something that he believed that God did require. He set us an example. I love what the apostle Paul says. He says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is Christianity, that we follow the example of Christ. We follow his example of compassion, of generosity, of sacrifice, of service, and even of baptism. We follow his example. Not only did he model it, look at this, he commissioned it. Matthew chapter 28 says, then Jesus came to them. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection. Right before the ascension, ascension he gives the great commission. And this is what he says. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them 
in the name of the Father and the, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, Jesus not only set us an example of baptism, he then, the last thing that he said, his final words, which should be our first priority, was to go and to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples and to baptize people. This was his great commission, not his great suggestion. This is not a consideration for us. This is actually a command for us to follow him in obedience. We're to follow the commission that he said. Do you know that there's only three sacraments in our church? A sacrament is simply this tangible symbol that helps connect us to the divine in a very significant and special way. Uh, one of those for us, one of, the, one of the, the sacraments is communion. When we receive communion together, that is a sacrament. Um, another one of those is marriage. Marriage is a, a sacrament for us as a church. And the third one is baptism. We have three sacraments, three things that we practice as a church that helps us connect with, with the reality of what God has done in our lives. And so here's the second one for you. To symbolize outwardly, I love this one, to symbolize outwardly the change that occurred inwardly. Listen, symbolism is powerful. My friend Jay John once told me. Have you ever noticed in the church, there's a lot of things that we do that are, that are, that are symbols. Like, have you ever wondered, like, why do we, why do we receive communion? Be, because it, what it represents, it's not about the bread or the wine. It represents a spiritual reality that can sometimes seem abstract, but God has given us something concrete to help take a complicated concept and make it digestible. So that we can take the bread and it reminds us, like I'll sometimes hold the bread up when I'm receiving communion and break it to remind me of the broken body of Jesus. I'm symbolically doing something. It's connecting me with the reality of what Jesus did for me. We drink the cup and we look at it. Sometimes I'll look at that cup and I say, Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for me. I do this today, remembering what you did. This is a symbol re reminding me. Why do we anoint people with oil when we pray for them? The Bible says that oil is a symbol representing the Holy Spirit. That's what, there's nothing special about oil. One time my mom prayed in my bedroom using Crisco oil. I mean, what is that? That you cook chicken with that. She didn't care. She's like, that's all I had. It's like, mom, this is not holy oil, okay? This is, this is going to kill somebody for eating too much of it. Don't do that ever again, you know? But what is that oil? It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symbol. It's representing something, right? Why do, we do, why do we have prayer candles when we light those candles? It's symbols that when we light it, we're praying that, God, I have a family member that's in a dark place, but I light this candle as a symbol that Christ, that your light would shine in their life. It's just a symbol connecting us. Well, baptism is simply a symbol. It's a powerful symbol that connects us with something that truly happened on the inside of our life. It's an outward expression of an inward reality and an inward condition. I want to show it to you in this great scripture. Read the context when you get a chance in Romans 6, uh, verse 4. But it says this, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, look at this, new lives, new lives. When you read the context of Romans 6, here's what it is. He's saying this. He's like, guys, you don't have to keep going on in, in your old ways, sinning the way that you were before. Do you not realize that when you were baptized, it was a picture of you, your, your, your old life is dying and you're being resurrected in power, and now you have power to actually live a free life. That's what he's telling them, that you don't have to live your old life. 
You can live a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit because the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in you. And Paul is telling them that. He's saying, guys, baptism is a symbol and a picture reminding you and reinforcing the reality that the power of God is on the inside of you. You don't have to walk in addiction. You don't have to walk in that cycle anymore. You don't have to live broken anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to do that. You can live a new life. How many of you are thankful that the gospel declares to us that we can live a new life? For the old has passed away, and behold, all things are new. For I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And baptism is a symbol that simply reminds us that our old life, it is dead. Like who you used to be, that, that person's dead if you gave your life to Jesus. You have a new life in Jesus. You're no longer weak. You are strong. You're no longer defeated. You're a victor. You have a new life in Jesus. You don't have to go back. Now, many times we kick the grave and we go back to the old man or the old woman. And we act like the old us, but that's not who we really are. You have a new identity. I have a new identity. In baptism, it's a symbol that reminds us of that. Jennifer and I, we went to uh, Israel. And while I was baptized in 2000, we went to Israel. And um, we, they said, do you guys want to go to the Jordan River and be baptized? And we were like, absolutely. That's where Jesus was baptized. And, and so we were going to be baptized. Really, it wasn't you know, as a new declaration of our faith in Christ because we've already been Christians. But we were wanting to go there and just have this moment and be baptized and connect with the reality of this is where Jesus was baptized by John. And so we go there and it was a really powerful moment. And I remember seeing some people that were there getting baptized and they were wearing white robes. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. They're, they're, they're just showing that they're, they're pure, right? And they're going down there in the water. Well, I began to do some research about that. And this is very, this is incredible. This was a traditional way to be baptized that, that people would come to the waters at the Jordan River with a white robe on, but then watch this, they would take a dirty robe that was tattered and torn up and they'd wrap it around the white robe and cover themselves. And they'd walk down into the water and they would declare, they'd publicly declare their profession that they're a follower of Jesus and that their old life is gone and their new life has begun. And then the, the, the pastor or the minister or just the Christian would baptize them. By the way, you don't have to have just a pastor baptize you. You just need a believer to baptize you. But in that moment right there, they, they would baptize them. And look at this. This is beautiful. They would go under the water. And as they were under the water, they would let go of that dirty robe. And it would go floating down the river as they would come up resurrected with this white, beautiful robe. And they would start rejoicing and they'd watch that old robe, that dirty, tattered robe representing their old life and sin just float down the river being washed away. This is what baptism is. Now, we don't have robes. We're not doing any of that stuff here. We got like, you know, we have you a beautiful t-shirt that says, I have decided, right? It's going to be great. But, but the point is this, is baptism is this very real personal way for you to make a connection with what God's done in your life. I'm telling you, when I was baptized that night in that freezing cold pool, something significant happened. It wasn't the baptism that saved me, but something very sacred happened in that moment. It was like a, a fresh revelation that my old life was done. And not only did I have a new life, I had a new family. I had a new set of community that would walk with me on my journey through the mountaintops and the valleys. Whenever life got hard, they would be with me. Whenever things were challenging, they would walk with me. When I had highlights in my life, they would be there with me. This was my new family. This was my new community. This is what baptism does. It connects us with something. 
Very powerful. Um, here's the final thing I'll say with this is when you begin to study the scriptures, talk about separation and something new beginning. When you study scriptures and you study about the different places where, where there was water or a flood or an over, overwhelming and overtaking of water, it represents two things, cleansing, cleansing and separation. Go with me uh, back in your memory to, to the, the flood. Why did God send the flood waters? It was to cleanse the earth because mankind had become sinful. And he says, I'm going to get, we're going to have a fresh start. I'm going to take through water. I'm going to flood the earth and we're going to wipe away all that. And we're going to have a new creation, a new, new humanity, Noah and his family. Water represents a cleansing. But then think about this. Whenever God's people, Israel was in Egypt, they were in Egypt and God said, I'm, I'm letting my people come out of Egypt. I want you to come out of that life, out of that culture, out of that bondage. And I'm bringing you into a promised land. What do they do? The water is separated in the Red Sea. They walked through the waters and then the waters came down. And what did it do? It completely overcame and defeated their enemy that was chasing them. But it was more than that. That water, it created now a separation between what they came out of and what they were going into. See, this is, this is baptism for us. It's a cleansing. It's a reminder that he has cleansed, of, cleansed us of all of our sins and that he has separated us from our old life and he's, he's brought us into a new life. It's the promises of God for our life. Amen. And here's the third reason why. I want you to write this down. Third reason why, uh, it's simply to publicly declare our commitment to follow Jesus. Th th this, is, this is different from the previous thing. This is something, the previous point is something very personal. It, it's for you to connect with the reality of what has happened. But this is something that's, that's not personal. It's, it's actually, it's very public. You're, you're making a public display, a public announcement, a public declaration Look at this, in Acts chapter two, this is the first group of people that said yes to Jesus and responded from the preaching of the good news and they say yes to Jesus. And so Peter, one of the apostles, he says this to them. After they ask the question, what, what do we do, what's next? Literally in Acts chapter two, they ask the question, what's next? You just told us that Jesus was the son of God, that he was crucified and that he rose again. Well, what are we to do now, what's next? And this is what Peter says to them, each of you, must repent of your sins. Here's what that means. You've been going in this direction. I just turn towards God. Say, God, I've been doing my way, my thing. I'm gonna do your thing. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God. And look at this. And what? And be baptized. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. He was long-winded. He was a long-winded preacher strongly urging, look at this, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And watch this. Those who believed that day, they checked B, right? Those who believe what Peter said, says they were baptized and added to the church that day. That day. They just, it was like that day they were added to the church. And this was, this was something, when you begin to study baptism, there's only a few times when someone's baptized just with one person with someone else, like Philip with the Ethiopian. But almost every time you see baptism in scripture, here's what it is. It's one person being baptized in front of a, a group of people, and it's primarily the church publicly being baptized. And here's why, because they're saying to this community, I am now a follower of Jesus. My old life is gone. And I declare from this day forward, from this day forward, I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me and I am a part of this family. And it was a public declaration. Go and read all throughout scripture. You'll read these things over and over and over again. Baptism 
is the Christian's public declaration. For, for, for a couple generations here, we've, we've kind of transitioned and we said that the public declaration is someone just raising their hand. There's even one denomination that said, well, you stand up and you walk to the front. And all those things are fine because you're, you're going public with your faith. But the biblical, the biblical way, the biblical demonstration that a Christian, a follower of Jesus would publicly declare it would be through baptism. This was the way. This was the altar call. This was the fill out the connection card. This was what it was. And and so for us, we say, let's create space and place for people to publicly declare that they belong to Jesus. You know what baptism is? Here's a great way to illustrate it for you. It's simply the wedding day for the Christian. You see, Jennifer and I, we've been dating for a while and she was chasing me down like crazy, okay? Tell you that right now. She was pursuing me. It was like, it's like okay, finally, you know, I, I'll say yes to you. And, and here's the thing. Up until May 21st, 2005, I had a lot of options out there. She had a lot of options out there. There, there were a lot. Of, I mean, they weren't as good looking as either one of us, but there were options out there. And before we said yes and came into covenant with each other on May 21st, 2005, up until that point, you know what? We still kind of had, let's be honest, we still kind of had a way out. Like if she you know, drove me crazy enough, I could have like just been like deuces, right? And found somebody else. But biblically, once you come into a covenant marriage, it's like till death do us part, right? And so that's why a lot of times people wait for a long time to make that commitment because that's a big commitment, right? That is a really big commitment. But on May 21st, I stood in front of a large group of people, our family and our friends, and made a public declaration. And it was this, is that I belong to you and no other and you belong to me. And from this day forth, I'm in covenant with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. She made the same thing to me. It was a covenant that came together. like This This is baptism. This is, listen, I'm not saying it saves you. You get saved by simply confessing with your mouth, believing your heart. The Bible says you're forgiven. You've given a fresh start and a new beginning. But baptism is when you have that wedding day, you go. We, we were already married in our hearts months before that, maybe even a year before that. Man, we, man I was never going to leave her. I was committed to her. But on the wedding day, here's why it was powerful, is we told everybody, I am not embarrassed I am not ashamed of her. She's not ashamed of me. I'm devoted to her. She's devoted to me. We are f- going to be faithful to each other. From this day forward, I belong to her and she belongs to me. We're on this journey together. And we get to celebrate that with our friends and family. That is what baptism is. It's the wedding day for the believer. So what am I asking you to do? Is simply this. is we have baptism that's coming up May 26th. And for some of you, this is your next step. You made a decision to follow Jesus last week. This is your next step to go public. You're going public, okay? This is your IPO, right? You're going public, right? This is, this is your deal. For some of you, you, listen to me, you were baptized when you were younger, but it really didn't mean anything to you. Let's be honest. It didn't. This could be a moment for you to deeply connect with something that God has done in your life. It's been real, but now it can be realized at a whole different level. Some of you, that, that you, need, you need to do this, that God may be even speaking to you right now, like you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're like, man, that whole new life thing, I want that. Like I've been living this life, but I want a new life. If you're telling me I can have a fresh start and a new beginning, I want in on that. Listen, you can go public and declare I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. And listen, I know what some of you may even be thinking, like that's kind of, I got some fear when it comes to like doing that in front of a bunch of people. Like maybe you're an introvert and you're like, I don't feel like being in front of a bunch of people. Can you just let me go to a private little swimming pool with like two of my friends? 
Yeah, you can go and find that if you want to. But I, w- I, would, I would admonish you to, to have this community here, your family, celebrate with you. We're going to celebrate you. Like, we're going to throw the biggest party just for you. Like, we're pro- I'm probably going to eat cake. And I'm, like, on keto right now. But I'll eat cake for you, okay? Like, I will do it. I'm on a diet. But, like, I will eat carbs and sugar just for you, okay? I will do it. I will do it, okay? And I know that there may be some fear associated with it. But listen to me. There was a kid. I, I, I heard a pastor tell this story that back in... I don't know, it was years ago in Georgia, there was a young kid who was 15 years old. He had stage four cancer and there was baptism sign up. And this young kid said, I want to go public. I've never gone, I want to go public and declare in front of my friends and my family. I want want to declare that I belong to Jesus. He invited all uh, all of his friends and family to come. And then his friends that were not followers of Jesus, he even invited them to come to church. Well, if you rewind um, back to when he first made the decision to go public, the, the problem was this, is that he didn't know how to swim. And not that it's a deep pool, but because of his, his, his not being able to swim, he had a fear of drowning. So he would never go near water. He would never go near, near water. His, his mother would actually have to help him uh, bathe because he had uh, such a great fear of, of, of drowning. And the, this pastor, Andy Stanley, shares this story, how this young man, he wanted to overcome the fear because he wanted to go public so bad, he began to take swimming lessons. This kid, just to be baptized, took swimming lessons. Like, if we can't overcome our fear, like, like you know, what are we doing here, right? So he goes and takes, takes his lessons, and he gets over that fear, and he invites his friends and family, and he wrote down his testimony, and he read the testimony in front of the entire church, and the church went crazy, and he was baptized that day. And it was within a year he passed away and went to be with Jesus. But I tell you this because whatever your fear may be about being baptized or you know, going public with your faith, listen to me. The Bible says this, if we will declare him publicly, if we will acknowledge him publicly, then in heaven he will acknowledge us publicly. But if we deny him on this earth, then, then he will deny us. Baptism is one of the ways that we go public with a decision we've made. Let me finish with this final story for you. Um, I was thinking about this as it relates to baptism. There was this pastor I was listening to that um, was doing ministry in, in, in Russia, and it was in the red light district. And him and his wife and their team, they were going around and they were serving these women that were, that were, that were prostitutes and uh, strippers. And they would go through there and they would bring them a meal not to judge them, not to point finger. They, they would just bring them a, uh, a dinner and they would bring them socks and clothes and, and different toiletries like that. And they did this for a long time, just serving this community. And slowly, these young girls uh, came out of tra- being trafficked. They came out of traffic situations. Some of them came out of that lifestyle. God saved them. Well, there was this one girl named Rachel that Pastor Jimmy Siebert always talks about that he would see this girl, Rachel, and he would go to her every single week that they would do ministry outreach. And he would try to engage in a conversation and bring her some toiletries and some food and stuff. And she just didn't want anything to do with it. Just like, I don't want anything to do with it. But he was consistent. You know that sometimes reaching people, it's not about intensity, it's about consistency. Just being consistent in their life, showing compassion and love. He kept showing up, just kept showing up, just kept showing up. Finally, after a long period of time, Rachel, she was a a woman caught in prostitution. She gives her life to Jesus and she, she begins to come to their Bible study and she said, what do I do next? And Jimmy and his wife said, your next step is you need to be baptized, go public. So they scheduled a baptism for a few months later and, and they go to this baptismal tank where they're gonna be baptizing folks and they're waiting and Rachel's running late and they're like, is she ever gonna show up? Is she ever coming? She's late, five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by. 
they look up and they see down this, this long gravel road, they see Rachel wearing a beautiful, pristine white wedding dress with about 10 of her prostitute friends. And they're all walking towards Pastor Jimmy and, and they're just like, oh my God, she was just, there was splendor on her face. You've never seen splendor on her face like this, like this before. She was just shining, radiant and smiling from ear to ear. And she's just kind of working it with that white wedding dress on. And she's walking up and all, like literally all these strippers and prostitutes are coming with her. Could you imagine that? That's the type of church I'd love to pastor where people, it doesn't matter their, their, their background. It doesn't matter where they came from, that we will welcome anyone with open arms. Like you just come, you just come on. Jesus loves you. There's a place for you at the table. And Jimmy's waiting and, and she comes walking up and he looks down at this water. He was in Russia. It was a really dirty, nasty kind of thing. They were baptizing people in. And he was like, you look beautiful today. There's no way I'm going to let you ruin this beautiful dress. And I love her response to Jimmy. She said, Pastor Jimmy, it's okay. I'm here to marry Jesus. She got down in that water and he said he was about to baptize her and he has tears streaming down her face and she's just smiling. Her hands were raised up to heaven and he began to look all around that pool. It was nothing but, but prostitutes and pimps and drug addicts and a few Christians. And he thought, this is the church of my dreams. And he baptized her and she went public with her declaration that I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me from this day forward. And the pimps and the prostitutes and everybody just begin to clap and cheer and celebrate. They probably didn't even know what they're celebrating, but they begin to celebrate. She knew what they were celebrating. They were celebrating that her life was new, that she was no longer bound to the things she was before, but she was on a spiritual journey towards the new life that God had for her. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.